Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Linda, still in Canada, and as always, it's a joy to be here with you. Uh, I am one of the pastors here at Cornerstone, and since we've been introducing ourselves a little bit, um, here we go. Let's see. I'm not as old as Pastor Bill. I was born and raised in Southern Ontario, and I lived here before we moved, until we moved to Asia in 2010. We've been in Boston for about three and a half years, and um, I've been at part of Connerstone since July of 2019. Now, why that is interesting is that I had seven months of regular life before COVID hit. So seven months of ministry in person, and now it's been 18 months virtual ministry. So uh, it's been an interesting time period, hasn't it? So let me ask you a question. Whether you've been a believer for a bit or if you're someone who has spent a lot of time in scripture, what was the first Bible verse you ever memorized? If I was with you, I'd be doing a word cloud right now to see all of your answers. However, I think the one that would come up the biggest would be John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Oh, that was the best one to memorize, wasn't it, when you were younger? Because it's just two words. Everyone can memorize it. Now, what about prayers? What have been some of the shortest prayers you've ever prayed? Not memorized, but prayed. I'd love to see that on a word cloud too. Another time. See, prayers are very personal and they reveal what's going on in our lives, how we are with God, and so much more. At times, I have done some very long prayers with God. You know those ones you do that it's just a conversation? As you're hiking in the woods or wherever your spirit feels close to God? For me, it's nature. Uh, and others have been very short. I know I have prayed just a, God, why? When I was in a space of anger and frustration with circumstances around me. There's all different lengths. And that's what we're going to look at today in the sense that as we continue our series on the prayers of the Bible, a look into the heart of a disciple, um, we're going to look at one that prayed a very short prayer. We've got Nehemiah, we've had Hannah, and we've had Moses. And now we're going to leap into the New Testament. So that's a bit of a hint for you uh, where we're going to be with this very short prayer. But before we do that, um, let's do what Pastor Danny taught us last week, and that is to ask God to move with us as we move into learning. So let's pray. We do ask that, Heavenly Father, that as we move into this time of hearing your spirit and what you want each one of us to learn, that you are with us. Move through these scripture, through these thoughts, with us and may the words that come from my heart and my mouth be pleasing to you lord jesus and we ask this all in jesus name amen so what i'm going to do is set up the story and then the prayers at the end of the story i'm not going to tell you who this person is and if i was in the room with you i would ask you to shout it out if you thought you knew go ahead and do that if you want uh, that would be kind of fun and uh, for my virtual buddies that I'll be watching this with, type it in when you figure out who it is. So the first time we meet this person, yes, it's a man. 
He is described as a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. He was chosen along with six others to help care for the widows who uh, were being neglected. He's next described as full of grace and power. He did great wonders and signs among the people. And then people from the synagogues tried to argue with him. However, scripture records that they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. They got really, really angry about that. And they decided to do something about it. They got others to lie about what this man of ours was saying. They stirred up the people, the elders, the scribes. And I love how the Bible records this. They suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. Suddenly confronted him? I love the image of that. They snuck up behind him. Ha ha! Anyways, I don't mean to make light of it, but they did grab him and brought him in front of council. And they lied about the things he was saying and the things he was doing. So the council looked at him, hearing all of these lies, and they say that his face was like the face of an angel, this man of ours. Now our man then goes on this huge long speech, longest speech recorded in this book of the Bible, all about the history of the faithfulness of God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, his family, the people in Egypt, Moses wandering the desert in the land. Finally, Joshua brought them in and then David and then Solomon who built the temple. So our man then lays into the council and the people gathered there saying they opposed the Holy Spirit. They persecuted the prophets and they betrayed and murdered Jesus. Well, as you can imagine, they did not take well to this. They became enraged and it says they ground their teeth at him. I love the visual image of the story, ground their teeth at him. And our man, in response to their anger, it is recorded, it said, filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed up into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of the throne. And of course he tells them this, look what I am seeing. While the people covered their eyes like they were four-year-olds, shouted and rushed at the man. They dragged him out of the city and this is where you'll probably really guess who it is if you haven't yet. They took off their coats and they started to stone him. And we finally come to his prayer and we'll reveal who it has been. Did you guess it? One last chance to shout out this man's name. So our scripture from Acts 7, verses 59 and 60. And while they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and he cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he died. That is the final prayer of the first recorded Christian martyr, the first to be put to death because they believed in Jesus Christ. Stephen's prayer, Lord, 
receive my Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Two short lines, yet the depth is immense in these. They end the story of Stephen that's recorded in Acts 6 and 7. And that launches the severe persecution of the believers in Jerusalem and they scattered across the countryside of Judea and Samaria. So let's try and understand what Stephen was praying and what that invites us to pray. But before we do, you may be thinking, well, I don't know, people don't really get stoned anymore for their beliefs. And persecution, you hear a bit about it, but I'm not sure there's a lot of relevance here, so I'm just gonna click out. But there is so much to learn from Stephen, even in our relatively safe North America. But I, I want you to realize the persecution that does happen around the world for Christians. The last stoning I've read about was actually a Canadian missionary in Bolivia. In 1949, yeah, a while ago, not that long ago, wasn't centuries ago, like we often think of when we think about stoning. He and about 40 other Bolivian believers were stoned to death. And when Jeff and I were in Asia, I spent some time with an organization that would go in, go in quietly to some nations where people are persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And we just quietly heard their stories and recorded their stories. They're severely persecuted in some of these countries. Unable to hold certain jobs, the loss of land, jail time. Some of them just, we heard stories of people missing and of death. It does still happen today. We just don't hear their stories. You have to search for them. If you're interested, I am happy to sit with you and share some of their stories with you. We must tell truth of what is happening to our fellow brothers and sisters. But for most of us in this room, watching this online, this is not our story, is it? But think of what is in your story. Perhaps when you were young in elementary school, you were made fun of because of what you did on Sundays or on the weekends and you went to church. Perhaps as you grew up, um, it became easier not to tell a whole lot about what you were doing on the weekends on Sundays because it just kind of, people didn't get it and they kind of make fun of you. Sometimes the ridicule is just too difficult to face, so we hide the truth of what we're doing. Perhaps your story includes friends that you've lost as their behavior became more and more uncrust-like and you had decisions, difficult decisions to make about their friendship. Perhaps your story includes college friends who have broken their relationship with you for some reason or another. Or perhaps your story is a coworker who has taken credit for your work or your idea and you're feeling a little persecuted because you're not getting the recognition you should at your workplace. So let's try and understand what Stephen is praying and what that invites us to pray in our relatively safe North America. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. See, Stephen knew who Jesus was. Remember the description of him? Man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, full of grace and power, 
all that reflected in his face like an angel. He saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing beside the throne waiting for him. There's a challenge in this little prayer line, I believe, for you and I. Do we know, do we trust Jesus well enough to pray that with him? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Or are we hanging on too tightly to the things of this world to pray that? I have no idea where you are with God right now. Only God does. Are you just meeting him? Are you just hearing his name? Are you a bit exploring, discovering his character, learning more about him? Are you interested in who Jesus is? Really interested. Are you almost ready to believe in Jesus and what he's done for you? Are you a new believer exploring this amazing new relationship with God or are you further down the journey with him? Are you living the faith of your parents because you think you have to? Or have you made your individual decision knowing that the Lord Jesus is standing with you? See, John wrote in one of his letters, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we know our worth is in being God's beloved child. We know our sins have been forgiven and we are living for the day to enter into his presence. Paul writes in Colossians, he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you believe that? Are you like Stephen, being present with Jesus, seeing the glory of God around you? And are you fine with everything else dimming in comparison? Stephen starts by saying, Lord Jesus, I see you in the glory of God and I know you will receive my spirit. Can you say that with confidence today? Can I? If we can, we're ready to continue with Stephen's next line in this little prayer of his. If not, I want you to keep thinking about that and reflect on it. Meet up with someone to talk more about that. Can you say with confidence, I know you will receive my spirit, Lord Jesus. So Stephen continues, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. With this prayer, Stephen is asking that these people, the ones killing him, will realize someday for themselves who Jesus is. Since Jesus is the only one who can free us from our sins, Stephen, he just wants these people to be released from the burden and consequences of sin, just like he was, just like we are when we believe in Jesus Christ. Lord, may they see you also, he's praying. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said near the end of the prayer, he said it this way, forgive us our debts, our trespasses, our sins, as we also forgive our debtors, those who sin against us. 
Now, Peter asked the very human question of Jesus, and he said, how many times do I have to forgive this person? There's a limit. And Jesus answered seven times 70, there is no limit. In Ephesians, Paul writes, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. See, forgiveness is defined as letting go of sin. And Stephen here seems to be saying, I released the sin of you who are killing me into Jesus' hand, and I am free. Now, Stephen makes this look easy, doesn't he? Praying this prayer for people who are stoning him. But when someone has wronged us, has sinned against us, or someone we love, has made fun of us, has persecuted us, if we're being honest, we have trouble praying this prayer, forgiving them, as Jesus calls us to, don't we? We have trouble lifting them up to Jesus so he can wipe away their sins. And I can say from experience, this is very difficult. I'm gonna share experience with you, but because of privacy, you don't need to know the details. But what I want you to hear and relate to are the emotions around the effects of this sin. You see, this person walked away. They walked away from a relationship and they walked away from God. They destroyed countless relationships with that decision. Left in the wake of those actions, I and many others sat baffled, confused, and furious. Anger towards them, sadness for all of us, was all I could feel. The loss of what had happened brought anger again and again and again. See, first it was shock, then it was pure anger. And I confess it consumed my thoughts and my emotional state. Consumed me how angry I was at what this person had done. And then the Holy Spirit started to convict me. You need to forgive. Ha! <laughs> that was not going to happen. There's too much hurt, too much pain infused in too many lives. This person needed to know what they had done. You need to forgive. No. You need to forgive. Well, perhaps someday, but not now. You need to forgive. But I will never forget. Oh, you don't have to forget. Actually, you never will. But you need to forgive. The Holy Spirit kept telling me this. And I said, this person has not asked for forgiveness, so I don't have to, right? You're called to forgive as you have been forgiven. That's what I'm hearing in my spirit. And I said, I can't forgive. And the Holy Spirit said, hand it over to me and forgiveness will begin. And yes, I heard those words of Jesus, forgive over and over again. Because the anger and the bitterness came up over and over again. And once again, I would need to forgive. 
Jesus in Matthew 6, 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. But if you do not forgive others for their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, that what I discovered is this lack of forgiveness in me that hurt me, us, and it grows bitterness in our hearts, which blocks our relationship with God. I had to learn that a very difficult way. When I was focused on anger and non-forgiveness, I had trouble hearing God. I had trouble talking to Him. But over time, I learned that forgiveness is not excusing their actions. It's not permitting them to repeat them. It's not forgetting what they did. And it's not saying that this relationship will go back to what it was. So over time, I started to release this person to God. Slowly, day by day, I had to forgive over and over again. It was not a one-time prayer to God to say, help me forgive them, they are in your hands, done. It was a really long process. Yet God had convicted me in all of his words. And here's one more from Colossians 3:13. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And through lots of prayer, I trusted God and eventually handed it over to him. Oh, day by day, step by step into forgiving this person. I started to say it more and more often. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Draw them to you. Allow them to know who you are and to live in the good news of your salvation, not in the dim world of sin. Now, the sadness of the result of this person's actions still bubbles up from time to time. The sadness of the effects of this decision and what that person is missing out on is, is there. But the anger is gone. Forgiveness. So think about yourself right now. Who in your past or your present do you need to forgive? Who has harmed you, has deeply hurt you, or hurt someone you love? Take a moment and see what name or names the Holy Spirit brings to your attention. Along with all the scripture that God calls us to forgive, we need to also acknowledge what it says in this quote. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision we make because we want to do what's right before God. It's about our relationship with God. It's a quality decision that won't be easy. And it may take time to get through the process depending on the severity of the offense. In your struggling to forgive the person that God has brought to your mind, begin the process today. I know it is very difficult. I know it takes time 
It takes pain. It takes release, releasing. And Stephen points us to that way. First, we must remember how we are forgiven. And we see Jesus in the glory of God. Then and only then can we truly turn from seeing Lord Jesus receive my spirit to Lord, do not hold their sin against them. So if you're stuck, not forgiving, and you don't know how to start the process of forgiving, examine how that is reflected in your relationship with God. Make the decision today to do what's right before God. I love how A.W. Tozer says it. You have been forgiven, so act like it. Oh, there's so much we could do that. That would be a great sermon title and just talk about that. But what we learn from Stephen is exactly that. Stephen's prayer, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I know I have been forgiven. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. So I will act like it. Let us pray. So Holy Spirit, it is difficult and you know that. We are grateful for Stephen's short little prayer. Lord Jesus, receive our spirit today. Right now, we see you. We want to experience your forgiveness. And in our relationship with God, we make decisions today to start the journey of forgiving others, of handing them into your hands and praying for them. As Stephen taught us, Lord, do not hold this sin against us. Lord, when we leave here, may we say, I have been forgiven and I need to act like it. We are grateful, Lord Jesus, for who you are and how we can live in your presence. And it's in your amazing name we ask all of this. Amen.